0: It's a familiar ritual that perhaps many of us have gone through in recent days. That familiar ritual whenever guests are to appear at the house. I know speaking from my younger years, whenever I was back at home, there was always this great milieu of different things that had to be done. A lot of chaos and a lot of confusion that always set in the house before the guest was to arrive. So likely we had this step of events that we had to first clean the public areas, the places where guests would likely see. And so we had to go through the living room, we had to go through the dining room, the kitchen, and all of the areas that they would likely see first. And then we would start to clean the other areas, maybe the outside front yard, maybe the different areas outside the house. And then finally, we might even move, if we had the time, into those places where the guests were likely to not see. Maybe even our guest rooms or maybe even our own bedrooms or even the ba- the basement if we had that time but I know in my heart of hearts anytime we did this I know it was always routine it was the ritual it was exactly what mom told us to do but in my head I always had the question of why because I knew very well that whenever those guests left it would likely only be a few hours before myself and my five younger brothers had likely brought the house back to its original state or maybe even worse or maybe at times we just found that it seemed like it was rather odd, that in one way we would make the house look perfect, and then usually it looked much less so. Why all this effort? Why did we need to go through all this order? Why did we need to put the house back, the, back to this state of perfection and the way that it was desired for when a guest showed up? As many times as we might have that question, or we often go through the times of preparing our own physical homes for a guest to arrive, so many times whenever it comes to our life and whenever it comes to this Advent season, which we are getting ready to conclude, we know it's a season of preparation. We're getting ready for something to come, or at least we're getting ready for something more. And indeed, we know that we are preparing the way for the Christ child to enter into our midst at Christmas time. But what does that preparation look like? Why are we preparing for this guest, and what does it encourage us to do even in these last few hours of the season of Advent. To begin to consider this question, we should start off with the second book of Samuel, which was where our first reading came from. Because we hear about this dialogue between the David, who is the king at the time, between the prophet Nathan, and also between the Lord. So we hear that David, he's sitting there in his house and he sees that the dwelling of the Lord is nothing more than a mere tent. And he starts to feel that he's guilty, that he starts to be filled with this guilt that the Lord is simply living in a dwelling that's less than his. And so he tells the prophet Nathan of his plan that he wants to build something great for the Lord. And the prophet says, go do as you wish for the Lord is with you. And as that happens, there is this moment of planning, but then the, the Lord appears b- to Nathan in the night, and he tells him, go to my servant David and say, should you build me a house to dwell in? Meaning it almost seems like he's rebuffing and pushing back on David's plans. We have to understand exactly the context in why this is happening? So he continues on that he tells David about all of the things that he's done. That he brought him from the sheepfold, that he brought him forth from this very humble way of work, and then he brought him up to be the king and the commander of the nation of Israel. The Lord went before him, crushing all of his enemies, and then eventually he gave him so much peace that he was at a moment where they could finally rest. And this is a type of, or this is exemplified, because we see that David's finally built himself a permanent structure that is no as the people were as much as they tended to move around they finally come to an area of peace where they can dwell in that land and we they can call it their home and so as that moment has happened the Lord has given it to them and he's further given them rest from all their enemies from every side that he's allowing for them to enjoy this moment of tranquility so that they don't have to worry about enemies they don't have to worry about moving again yet they can simply sit there and be at rest because the Lord has granted them this gift But it's not enough. And the Lord indicates that there's something else going on in the background. That There's something else being designed. And so he tells him how there is going to be an heir that is going to be an offspring to the house of David. And this heir is going to be great. That this one is going to really bring about an eternal rulership, an eternal kingdom. And that this one is going to be so powerful and so prestigious that he will call upon God as his father. And God, his father, will call him a son. And this might have been further than any of David's own wishes might have been, that certainly at that day and age, and even in our own day and age, we recognize that we want our posterity to go on and to go on, that we want the tradition to be carried out until the end of time. But the Lord is telling David in no uncertain terms that this will happen, but in a way that's super abundantly over what the plan or the design is that he might have desired. He tells that there is offspring that is coming, and offspring that's probably likely even much more than David could have ever anticipated himself. So as much as David wanted to build a house for the Lord, what happens is the Lord tells him how he's building him a house, how he's building a house for David, and not only David, but his entire genealogy and his entire family, that even in time, there's going to be something tremendous that happens as that house has been established. We move on and we hear from St. Paul in his letter to the Romans, and it's near the end of this letter because he's giving this moment of doxology or this moment where he is blessing and praising God. And it's a way that's very formal and perhaps it seems a bit lavish compared to what we would normally do, because oftentimes we would just simply leave it at praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, and say that's good enough. But in St. Paul's mind, that's never good enough. And so he starts to elaborate on the Lord that he is praising, the Lord that he is directing them towards. So we're told that this is the Lord that has been revealed, that was held for secret for so long, and eventually through those prophetic utterances and through all of the things that are laid over and given over through the prophets, through the disciples, and through those others, that eventually Jesus Christ came to be and came to term. And so he came to dwell amongst them. And this is a beautiful beautiful thing because as he's telling about it, he's telling about all about God's design and the way that it encourages those that are there to faithful obedience, that because the Lord has come, because he's dwelt in their midst, and because he's been present amongst them, it demands something more, a response of faithful obedience, the fact that they see all that God has revealed, and they assent to those things, then they say that we will believe and we will follow the Lord no matter where he leads. And then finally we arrive at the gospel according to Luke, and we hear that familiar account of the Annunciation. And this is one that we've likely heard several times over the season of Advent, and even throughout the liturgical year. That is something that is just a cornerstone to the stories of the gospel and the stories that we come to know, because it's so important and so powerful. And yet it comes to us in this fourth season of Advent because it's often a week where we celebrate Mary in a particular way. But nonetheless, we're given that same opportunity here through the Annunciation. We all know the story rather well that the angel was sent from God to a town in in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin whose name was Mary. And so we hear that he encounters her, that he goes before her, and his introduction is Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Likely an introduction that Mary was a little bit startled by. And he sees that she is troubled by this greeting. He says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. These two things coupled together tell us something about the way that our Lord sees Mary, that she's not only been born in a state of grace, but she's held on to that state of grace through her entire life, that she's been faithful, she's been following the Lord, she's been doing what the Lord has asked her to do, and it's brought her to this very moment. And so then Gabriel starts to tell about the Lord's plans, that she is to bear a son who will be named Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and rule in the house of David his father, that And in fact, we see that he is that fulfillment that was talked about in the first reading. That Jesus is the one that is that heir that will call upon God as father. But nonetheless, he tells about all these great things, and Mary says, "Well, that's great, but how is this going to happen? Since I have no relations with a man." And then Gabriel goes into the explanation that it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that she has already been preparing herself to receive. That in fact she will receive by the power of the Holy Spirit that indwelling, the way that the Lord will come to her and will dwell in her womb for the nine months. It's a beautiful thing because we recognize the Ark of the Covenant, which would have been underneath that tent in the first reading, Mary. Mary takes up that same idea and identity that she is the Ark of the Covenant as well, but she carries within herself the real and true presence of Jesus Christ and of God and carries that to the world. But nonetheless, her beautiful response at the very end, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to thy word. And we think about that response, and we think that it's given right at that moment, but if you think about it, it's been prepared for for a long time, even before that critical point, because she has lived her entire life as to say those very things, that she is the handmaid, that she's always following the Lord, and that she's being faithful, that it's not just about that critical moment, that she doesn't turn to Him at the last moment that is possible, but rather she spends her entire life trying to get to know the Lord a little more, and to make a home and an indwelling for Him, inside her womb, so that at that moment, whenever it comes by the Holy Spirit and the Christ child is implanted in her womb, it's, made, it's already a worthy dwelling that it's ready to receive that Christ child that she's been preparing for quite some time. But we consider all of these things and we consider especially the season that we're in, the season of preparation, how we're getting ready not just for the Christmas season, but maybe perhaps even for receiving Christ in greater way. But what does that mean for us right here and right now? What are we to do? Well, first, we should remember the call and the invitation that has been given to each and every one of us, because if we look back at St. Paul in his letter to the Romans, we hear about the way that Jesus became flesh, how the secret was then revealed to the entirety of the nations through the gospel and through the word and through all the things that he had done, that he, in fact, was revealed, that he was made known, that he was made present, but not just simply so that people could ignore him, but rather so that they could follow him so that they could be obedient and they could follow in faith. St. Paul, as he's speaking to the Romans, he's giving them that simple reminder because he says that it's not just simply enough for, to let the Lord dwell around you, but it is more necessary that the Lord should dwell in you. That, that faithful obedience is the way by which we invite Christ into our life we should also recognize something else, that we are able to recognize and to invite Christ into our life because he has first invited us. That it's not just simply about what we have done in this life, it's not about what we can do, but it's about the way that the Lord is inviting us into deeper relationship first. And so we have to realize that, that this invitation is two ways, that the Lord is first the one who invites us so that we can invite him back. And so that's important because as we may invite guests into our home, we need to invite the most important guest into our own home in our soul, the most important home in dwelling that we can prepare. But then we have to go through and do the actual work. And so that comes in a couple of fundamental phases, that we have to first remove the old, and then we have to establish the new. That first we need to remove the old, much like any time that we would clean our own house. That we have to sweep aside all of the dirt, we have to dust, we have to vacuum, we have to mop, we have to sweep. We have to do all these things to get the things that do not belong out of our house, so that we can, in fact, establish what needs to already be there. And that's important for us, because the life of faith, so often that a lot of the work that we are busying ourselves with. There's the most vivid examples, the sins and the habits that need to go away, or the ones that we're working on time and time again. Those different ways that we deviate from the Lord, or we block Him out of our hearts, whether intentionally or accidentally, that those sins, those areas of weakness, oftentimes they block the Lord out and push Him to the side. And so sometimes it's those things that we're trying to sweep away, that we're trying to put those things out where they belong, because they do not belong in our hearts and our souls. Or maybe there's just the smaller ways that we're trying to work on it in our hearts that maybe necessarily aren't per se sinful, but nonetheless do not invite the Lord in. Maybe sometimes it's in a spirit of negativity that we find ourselves constantly immersed in what has gone wrong or what could go wrong, and we don't focus on what could go right or what the Lord has established, what the Lord has done, the things that are going right in this world. Or maybe sometimes it's even in something as simple as the media that we consume on a day-to-day basis. Maybe the books that we read, maybe the music that we listen to, the TV shows that we watch, or the movies that we enjoy, all these different things that can be part of what we consume on a daily basis, we don't often think about the consequences or what happens whenever we consume those things. And sometimes they're less than good. And sometimes because of that, they start to block the Lord out or they start to immerse us in ideas that are innately contrary to the gospel or do not invite the Lord in in a very real way, but get us focused on other things that do not matter in this life or even focused on things that are detrimental for our soul. So sometimes we need to clear out ourselves from those things, that we need to sweep aside those books that do not need to be read. We need to put those movies away that do not need to be watched, or we need to immerse ourselves in music that should be listened to and maybe not the music that shouldn't. Many times it's in those practical things that we should be aware of what we are consuming or what we are inviting into the house of our soul and in the house of our heart and mind so that we are aware of the house that we're building for the Lord to dwell in, or maybe we're not even been really inviting him in, we're kind of blocking him out by what we consume. But this is a moment of opportunity to sweep aside those things, to put them out so that we can prepare the way for what belongs. And then finally comes that one last step where we prepare ourselves by decorating, by doing all of the things that are necessary and doing all the things that make our house look good. And even within our heart and our soul, that is necessary as well. Well, we do that in different ways, perhaps at this time of year. So often we're focused on charity, on giving others and giving from ourselves so that others can enjoy the fruits of our labors, or sometimes can just simply enjoy knowing that we're trying to be Christ's hands and feet. So, sometimes we need to commit ourselves to those works of charity, finding those people in our lives that maybe need us to need a good word, that need a word of encouragement or need us to do something for them. Maybe it's in those works of charity, or maybe it's in something much more rudimentary. Sometimes it's something that we need to do constantly for ourselves. Maybe it's reading scripture on a more consistent basis. Maybe it's recognizing that as we read scripture, we start to take it upon ourselves as the word of God and as the voice of God who is speaking Speaking to us day in and day out, who's constantly trying to get us to hear his voice, to hear his message, and ultimately adorn our hearts and our souls with those things that we need to make that a part of our regular routine, if not daily, then at least on a weekly basis, that we should be immersing ourselves in the scriptures and in the word of God. Or maybe it's in other things as well. Maybe we want to pick up that spiritual read that's been sitting on our shelf collecting dust for so long, and it's finally that critical moment where we have the opportunity to not only immerse ourselves in what the book is saying, but to continue to develop our hearts and our souls so that they are stronger in time because we've read about the Lord and about his love, and concern for us, and we've developed ourselves and immersed ourselves in that simple thing. Or maybe it's sometimes in just our regimen of prayer. Where is the Lord calling us to maybe instill ourselves with a more prayerful demeanor? Whether that's just simple points throughout the day, or maybe that's just simply in finding more meaningful ways to pray that all of those moments, those are ways that we decorate our hearts and our souls, and as we've removed all of the things that do not belong, we've placed those things that do, so that in time we can find ourselves welcoming in the Christ child as he comes to us. Because ultimately, whenever we look at the scriptures, we see that David was concerned about building a place for the Lord because he had been put on the outside. And in many ways, that is true. It can be true of our society, of our world, of our nation at times, and even sometimes within ourselves. We can find, kind of find that God's dwelling in a tent kind of outside of our soul. But what if we made ourselves busy with the work of inviting him in? What if we found ourselves continuing like the Blessed Virgin Mary and preparing our souls for for our Lord Jesus Christ so that in time we can find ourselves welcoming him in in a more full way? Because it's not really just about this Christmas time either. Because it's also about the end of time. That we need to busy ourselves with the work of inviting our Lord into our spiritual home right now, so that in time we may be welcomed into the halls of heaven, because we've taken the time to invite our Lord in, day in and day out. In times when it was convenient and inconvenient, in times whenever we were happy to do it, and in times when it was most difficult. That if we take that time to prepare our hearts and souls and invite our Lord in, in a more deliberate way. As we prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus at Christmas, then in fact in time we can find ourselves and expect ourselves to be invited into the halls of heaven. A great guest is coming, much greater than any of the guests that we've ever invited in before, and we have to do that work of making our homes ready, and not just any home, but the homes of our hearts and our souls. The question is for each and every one of us, as we have heard the Lord is coming and will not delay, are our spiritual homes ready to receive that Christ child